Hello, assalamu alaikum and welcome back to another episode of 786 Boulevard. We are parked as usual at the confusing intersection of spirituality and culture. This podcast is a place for Muslims of all kinds to discuss film, art, fashion and pop culture. And in today's case, we are discussing under the umbrella of culture, food. Once again, we have uh, Hira Qarashi with us. She is a regional food reporter for USA Today and also ran the podcast Eating Z, Eating Z in American, uh, which is a podcast which explores what it means to be a Muslim American through the universal search for good food. So we'll be discussing today food, eating halal and Muslim American culture. We'll be talking about a variety of things under this topic, including how one deduces their identity from the food they eat, uh, and how food media suffers from racial inequality and a lack of representation. Before you begin, as usual, please do not forget to subscribe to us on all platforms. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Anchor, we are on Spotify. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to find us. And if you want to watch us and see our beautiful faces, you can watch us on YouTube. Please do not forget to subscribe to us on all platforms. It really does help out the channel and leave us a five-star review. Welcome to 786 Boulevard. Hira, Ali, Hasnein, Salaam Alaikum to you all. Thanks so much, uh, Hira, for joining us. Really appreciate you taking from your time. Um, you know, I've been following some of your uh, wonderful work and your writings uh, and, and you're really lucky uh, that you uh, chose to uh, join us today for this conversation. Um, so really, really appreciate it. Um, I've titled the, the topic of today, Food, Eating Halal and Muslim, and Muslim American Culture, um, which I think is, uh, is a very uh, interesting conversation because, you know, we, we did an episode, uh, it would be two weeks ago now, uh, where we discussed um, what food says about our identity. Um, with uh, Farhan uh, Mohsen, uh, who's a chef, I think um, you know. I think a conversation with you, just about you know uh, where we fit in uh, in this realm of uh, Americanism, uh, uh, as told through food, I think is a very interesting conversation to have. Um, so before we get into that, I asked you guys, Ali has named this question last time uh, when, with Farhan. I'm going to ask you guys again. Hera, I'll, I'll leave you to last because I feel like you got the best answer. Um, <laughs> but what is your favorite? uh kind of food uh i know you guys answered this last time um but try and give me uh, a different so hasnain ali what's your second favorite kind of food and i'll ask hira what's her favorite hasnain you go first damn i'm always <laughs> going first um to be honest with you i i've been thinking a lot about that question since the last time and <laughs> i don't know why i don't know why i didn't say pizza you can't go wrong with new york pizza wow pizza okay yeah you can't go wrong with New York pizza. You can't go wrong with artichoke. You can't go wrong with like Ben's pizzeria. You can't go wrong with any corner pizza, at least in New York. Um, I don't know why I didn't say that. I think it's interesting because pizza would have been my last choice, firstly. Um, but for really? you guys, yeah, but for, but for you guys, <laughs> but for you guys in New York, it's different because you have this whole New York pizza thing. You know, by the way, I've never had a New York pizza till now. Um, so I'm just throwing that out there for you, Hasnay. Next time. No, next time I'm. Time. So where did we take you last time you came? Did we eat? You the, you took me to some way? Iranian Stein. restaurant or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah or yeah. Tunisian. Yeah, we had kebabs, I think. Um, so yeah, you'll you 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 owe me a pizza for next time. Uh, Ali, uh, your turn. Um, I would say burgers. I love burgers and fries, That's and especially if it's a really good burger. That's a good one. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, last time I did say that I'll eat anything, but thinking about it now, uh, whenever someone says, what do you want? I'm always like leaning mentally toward burgers and fries. Uh, so I guess that is my, my, uh, my number one pick. Hera, what's your favorite kind of food and why? That is a difficult question for me to answer, actually, because <laughs> I feel like it changes based on my mood and what I'm right. feeling like. You know, like I, I think the general ones that I always go for are tacos, ramen, and... Um, <sighs> tacos burgers yeah so burgers fries shakes stuff like that i think it's just like what i'm in the mood for in the moment and right. then you know or what i can cook at home and what i have and i'll just make something that you know tastes good so i think i enjoy a lot of food i'd enjoy eating in general and so that's why i've kind of built my career <laughs> around <laughs> food so that i can continue eating um but yeah so i i don't have like a one thing but it's just I'm, I'm a moody eater. <laughs> I feel like by the end of this podcast, like last time, we're going to be left very, very hungry. Um, so yeah. let's, <laughs> let's try and soldier through it. Um, Hira, I did want to get into, uh, you know, like your career and how, you know, you, you, like you mentioned, you, 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 you built and are building a career around food. But before that, um, 
I want to ask all of you uh, about uh, Ramadan this year. Um, the reason I did that is because I know you wrote an article uh, about uh, you know uh, celebrating Ramadan and fasting during lockdown, um, and I and it, I I did, I did want to speak about it because just like reflecting on it. It was such a monumentous experience for me, at least. Um, so I feel like each of us uh, has our own perspectives uh, to share on this issue. But here, starting with you, what was Ramadan yeah. like uh, during lockdown? How did it differ uh, to other Ramadans? Um, yeah, so biggest thing is like, you know, you didn't have the dinner parties and the iftars and stuff to go to. Um, like our my family, um, very Desi family, we go to Davats all the time. We, you know, we'll go to dinner parties and iftars. And um, so that was a big difference. Um, and then going to the masjid too, like that was, we didn't have that at all. So um, it was very different, but then it was also nice too, in a way for us, because it will allow us to be closer as a family for the holiday and um, just really like focus on ourselves um and in terms of food i think like we like i had fun making food with my mom and like you know the anticipation was greater because you get to be with your family and stuff like that and so it was a little bit harder too because you're just kind of at home <laughs> and like you don't have much distractions and stuff whereas like i feel like when you go to a, a dinner party or a star it's like you know you you have a collective group that's like we're ready we're gonna eat and everything but um yeah i think it was great as like a familial holiday um rather than just like you know going with the community and stuff so. what about in terms of spiritually because i feel like that's also a very interesting conversation because yeah. you know we're always uh, in you know uh, you know when people like, go to uh, mosques and spend time only in the mosque like i feel like that's what we, we were in like a forced uh ikhtikaf, all of us because we were like forced mm-hmm. to be at home so spiritually how was it for you um you know uh, uh fasting and 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 and, and generally just cel- uh, just uh, practicing and celebrating ramadan yeah, um, I think it was a little harder for me this Ramadan because I do, for me, going to the masjid was always like a big thing. We we go to Taravi every night and um, especially Qiyam nights, we, like our masjid does like youth groups where we're like staying up all night right. and, you know, doing activities at the masjid and then we, uh, we have Qiyam and we eat Suhoor together and everything. And that's like a really fun element. And then I hop Suhoors <laughs> in, in Memphis. It was big. And so like that was like like a big deal and I wrote about it too at one point um, and that was missing of course and so I think the disconnect from the community was definitely um, affected the spiritual side of a little bit for me Um, but then in some ways it told it kind of it was kind of a reflection to me on like um, this is kind of what I need to work on and this is where um, you know I'm I'm lacking a little bit and I can definitely improve in um, but then it's also like with my family they were good they had like my mom was great <laughs> at reminding me and just keeping me um, connected too um, but I think it, it was a little harder for me this this time yeah yeah i mean i think lockdown generally I mean, I'll, I'll i'll give my like my perspective in a bit but i think lockdown generally really changed my whole perspective uh, on everything i'm obviously as we know when it started it was just so i'm sure for you you guys will agree it was such a shock because mm-hmm. like you know you'd go outside and there was no one no cars no people uh, you know, even pollution uh, in, in the sky died down over here. So the skies were bluer um, and, and, and there were more stars at night. Um, and just like that sense of stillness and calmness was definitely forcing me into a place of, of reflection. Um, so it was definitely a very interesting uh, Shah Ramadan. Ali, how was your Ramadan uh, under lockdown? Because you guys, by the way, you guys obviously live in New York City, right? I'm sure New York and Ramadan is buzzing. Uh, you know, never sleeps. Yeah. Everything's halal. Yeah, you guys are probably out every single night um, having iftar and staying out to Suhoor. So uh, how was Ramadan for you guys? So Ramadan was very different, obviously, because, you know, it wasn't the same uh, where we're going to see each other every night at the masjid or actually NYU is where we would go, Stan and myself and, you know, everybody else there. And, you know, there's a sense of community that was totally lost. But what we were able to do is actually have some Zoom calls with a bunch of our friends. And uh, oh, so you guys you did... Know, you guys did Zoom iftars? Yeah, so we did Zoom iftars. Okay. And uh, we were able to talk to each other and, you know, eat with each other and then, you know, just talk about our days, which kind of worked out well because otherwise, the, like the first few days, it was just, you know, just on your own. Wow. And I lived alone and I was just in my box and I just would not leave. <laughs> <laughs> and even like my groceries, I didn't go out to go get groceries. I would get them delivered. I would wash them. Clean them, and then put them in the fridge. Ah, uh, the, the early coronavirus days when we were also, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so it was very <laughs> yeah so it was very different um but i'm glad you know there were a group of friends that were able to jump on zoom calls and uh talk to each other and that made it a lot better yeah i mean i think i think for me it, it was definitely so interesting because you know um like Hira mentioned you know I'm, I'm sure you guys will agree as well is that ramadan is a time where every night you're almost out right i mean yeah. the past few years I, i've kind of been doing ramadan at home anyway but i'm still going out during the day um but especially for the last like 10 nights or so there's this community vibe that you know you're always out you mm -hmm. see everyone that you know you see all these faces and obviously you get invited as well to, to so many people's houses uh, during ramadan for iftars as well so all that was like taken away and i think also just that kind of being forced to be at home and even like during for example uh qadr nights like you know when you're meant to, to to spend the night in worship i found it challenging uh to sit at home and pray by myself uh, it, it, it was very hard because usually i'm used to going to the mosque where you know everyone's praying together right there's that sense of community um and i think for me lockdown generally really kind of forced me to realign my perspectives on things because i mean number one I'll be honest with you, I, I absolutely loved lockdown. I know a lot of people uh, have their own opinions on it. But for me, I absolutely loved it because the stillness of it was like almost being on vacation at the beach. You know, you go outside and there's, there's, there's no one uh, in your ears. That There's a sense of uh, quietness there. Um, you know, you're almost more in control uh, of your own schedule as well. Um, and that kind of forces you to think, you know, think about what you, what you really value uh, in life, what's important to you. You know, and I think one thing, for example, that kind of, uh, came out of uh, uh, that experience for me was you know you guys Ali and Hassan you guys know me and I'm very attached to, to, to London uh, I, I, I love being in London I always ask myself the question would I be able to live anywhere else uh, and then I realized like hey during lockdown what's it you know what is where you're living it's 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 your home it's your local grocery store it's it's you know the, the the things around you and you know you're able to lift it up and take it anywhere else in the world and live there just fine you know as, as long as you have uh, uh those kind of things around you so it, it's not impossible so it definitely kind of opened my mind um and especially during ramadan it really uh helped me realign myself i would say uh, uh, and just gave myself a lot of space uh, uh, to breathe and think. So for me, I, I, it was definitely a blessing. Hasnain, uh, how was Ramadan for you? Um, it helped me detach from a lot of a lot of things, especially right. a lot of people, um, which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> um, the, 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 also... There's a sub story in there somewhere. I don't want to ask. But you can <laughs> <laughs> um, it also helped me. Um, focus on my prayer more, you know, because you're alone now. Right. And I know you said that being with the community and, and worshiping together is different. But for me, it's just if I can worship alone in a room to myself um, and not constantly look over at Ali to see him doing something while we're praying, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it, it was more beautiful for me. Um, the first, all of quarantine, I Uber Eats every single day. So you, uh, you, you spent a lot of money then. I did. <laughs> uh, every day was a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You just Uber, oh my Uber. god! Wow. Um, so I did get to you know eat at different spots. Um, even when I could just drive to them, um, I just decided, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go anywhere. Like I want them to come to me. Um, so I did get the benefit of that. And then, and Ramadan itself, fasting was a piece of cake this year. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like it was their home. So I literally wake up, I turn on my laptop, I go to work work from home that's the one thing i love about lockdown by the way just yeah waking up and putting your laptop in and yeah and, you, and you're not like, working <laughs> yeah so it's just yeah. like it's just like you, i send a morning email to let everybody know like hey oh hey mr ali's here okay fine then i just like have like my mouse move around every now and then i just go about my day <laughs> um and it was it was easy because you're home uh for ramadan and you could just literally lay down all day or or whatnot and right you know, working out was was the hardest part because I I like to work out is one of my 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 core uh, things that I do on a daily basis. So having not having access to a gym, I had to you know figure out things for me to do. So I would like jog to the park and do pull ups at the bar and this that and the other. And so it was it was a lot of good things in a very bad time. I would I would say at least for me personally. Hmm. Hera, I want to move on to um your 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 career uh, as uh, you know. As, as, as a food cricket, uh, critic, sorry, as it were, or just generally having a career uh, in food. Um, you mentioned that, you know, you, you have a love of food right now. How did that kind of come about? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't imagine that, you know, um, 
or, or I, I don't know what your aspirations were growing up, but I wouldn't imagine that uh, Desi parents would 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 uh, uh, reciprocate. You know, uh, their, their, their child telling them they want to be a food critic. So how did that how did that come about? You know, were they supportive as well? I'm just generally following that dream uh, of yours. Uh, what kind of uh, you know what was the first spark that led to uh, this career of yours? Yeah, um, so it kind of started when I was really young. I actually really, um, I recall my parents telling me this, but um, when I was in kindergarten or something, they like tell you, well, not kindergarten, maybe a little older, but um, young, uh, they tell you like, what do you want to be and stuff like that. And um, I, my parents tell me that I had told them that I wanted to be a mom, a doctor and a journalist. Um, yeah. And so, um, and it kind of, like all three at the same time, which I don't know how I was going to do that. But um, uh, I, I think journalism and storytelling has always been something that I've been very passionate about. Um, I'm a storyteller generally. I'm um, always the communicator in the family. I'm always telling my stories uh, to everyone. Um, and so I think I always had that interest in that and I really liked writing. I liked the humanities versus like math and science. I was really bad at it. Um, and so I kind of knew where I was going to go in that. Um, but uh, I think it wasn't until high school, um, senior year, until I like did a program um, for journalism that I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. And I really like the writing form and reporting and what comes with that. Um, with my parents, uh, they, I think they, they they saw it as a hobby for a while. They they knew I wasn't going to do anything as a doctor or, you know, with engineering or anything because they knew I sucked at math and science. So they were like, there's no chance she's going that direction. Um, so the longest time they were like, oh, she might, you know, do law or something like that. Um, uh, but it wasn't until like college that I really showed them, you know, like this is the career that I want. And um, I started doing internships and, you know, they saw the product that I was creating from um, the work that I was doing and everything. And they were like, okay, this is, this could be a legitimate um, career. And uh, I found out like that was like a great thing because they were super supportive. I know a lot of families aren't that way sometimes. Um, yeah. So I was lucky in that, um, but I did have to show them like, this is something I'm serious about. It's not a hobby or anything. Um, uh, but getting into food, that kind of came a little bit, a little later because okay. I did, um, yeah, so I was looking into like journalism in general. I was I just wanted to be a reporter, and um, I looked into politics a little bit, and I was like, that might be interesting to go, go towards. Um, and I think I, I graduated um, in 2016 when Trump was elected. So it was like nice. like a passionate thing, like okay, I'm going to be a Muslim <laughs> journalist, and I'm going to be in politics and working, you know, covering that and all. Um, and as uh, college went on, um, I took classes and different classes in, you know, multimedia storytelling as well as different kinds of beats, um, and that included food. And um, so when I took a food writing class, I was like, "This is I absolutely love this, and I think this is such a great way because um, food is honestly a really great way, uh, a, a really great gateway into talking about so many different topics. Right. It's not just about the food, it's like the people. Um, and so, and that comes with talking about social issues, it comes with talking about what that industry looks like um, and what the people are going through. Um, and so I really found that writing style also to be really um, a lot of fun because you get to be really creative with it um and then you get to eat food which is great because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very hungry <laughs> so, um yeah and I I think um so I and then I I kind of slowly went into um audio um after doing a lot of multimedia um storytelling classes and that was like the form that I really really enjoyed um mm -hmm. So that's kind of like how it was, uh, how it came to be. But college was very, very impactful in showing me like what I wanted to do uh, with the career. Yeah, apologies. Uh, when I said food critic, I meant food reporter. I didn't mean to, 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 to change your whole uh, job title. <laughs> yeah, a little different. Um, but I mean, I, I think what's fascinating is, and, and this is something that kind of... Um, uh, is mirrored on each of the guests that we bring onto this podcast is that whenever I ask them that kind of similar question, which is, you know, what was that first spark that, that led to you becoming what you are today? They always say, Hey, when I was young, I said, I wanted to be this. And it's, it's, it's just crazy how, you know, those kind of influences uh, or those kind of dreams that we had when we were young, uh, take us to where we are, uh, uh today. I mean, Hasnain Ali and, and me always talk about this. I mean, even I remember I mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. Um, so right now I do videography and editing. That's my like day job um, and, and, and my passion. And 
uh, I went to my cousin's house in California and he had this old uh, VHS tape of me when I was about maybe 10 or 11. And he goes, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a filmmaker. <laughs> so it, 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 it's crazy that, you know, this little naive me uh, at that age thinking, you know, he wants to be some sort of Steven Spielberg one day. Um, but <laughs> that, 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 that spark and that drive, you know, led to, to me chasing my passions today. But I think what's so interesting about what you do is that you know, you said you want to be a journalist, but you also, you know, you've combined essentially two passions, one being journalism uh, and one being food. Um, I want to ask you, and it's a bit of a heavy and weird question, but, you know, you mentioned you you, you, you uh, graduated in 2016 and obviously uh, post-Trump, uh, and now hopefully we are actually post-Trump, um, but, but post-Trump's election, um, you know, uh, everything change uh, let's say, hope, I mean, I hope I can say that, uh, for Muslims in America. What do you think that food uh, can do uh, for the narrative uh, of uh, a people or, or for Muslims. And the reason I ask that is, you know, we talk about uh, Islamophobia in America all the time. Um, what we don't talk about is that, you know, Islamophobes in America still eat halal food. <laughs> you know, they still go to they, they still go to curry houses. They still go to, uh, you know, uh, p places that serve halal food. You know, we spoke uh, in, in, in our last episode with Farhan about uh, how uh, ha the halal... Uh, the, the, the culture of halal is synonymous with the culture of New York City because you have those halal food trucks all over the, the, the city which are giving food to, to everyone regardless of religion uh, or race. Um, so what can food uh, uh, do uh, to push forward the narrative of, of a people? Yeah, um, so like I said earlier, I feel like Food is such a great gateway into these like conversations um, and it's like an easy way to slip in kind of um, topics that people might be uncomfortable to like talk about in terms of like, you know, um, uh, people who, who necessarily don't support people of color, but they'll eat the food. Um, right, right. so I feel like there's ways to talk about these things when like you have a story about a restaurant that, um, those kinds of people frequent, but they, but then you do the story and you cover it in a perspective that talks about the people and the restaurant owners and the food that they're bringing and the issues that they're dealing with as people of color. Um, and that, again, that takes having a reporter who understands that perspective is necessary and right. needs to go towards that perspective. Um, but if you have that, and that's always kind of been my goal is to get those perspectives out there. Um, and so food is just like a great way to just talk about these issues that like, they don't want to encounter or like come across, but then you just kind of slide it in there <laughs> and they get to eat it with whatever they're yeah. eating. Um, and so I think, um, and there's a lot of topics I feel like in terms of eating halal too, like there's a lot of cultures that have similar, um, you know, dietary restrictions and if it's religious or not. And, you know, within the food industry, when you talk about, you know, uh, different kinds of dietary um, restrictions like veganism and um, eating kosher and um, like halal food. I think they're interesting topics that people can relate to even if they don't follow those restrictions either. It's like, okay, this group is doing this. That's interesting. Why are they doing it? Hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's just like a, it's an easy way to talk about this stuff. And there's so many issues within the food industry um, itself and talking about those issues are also important and they can go into a lot of the social issues in general and go into politics and stuff and hmm. I do think that it's like a I feel like food is very personal and right. so if you can talk about that I feel like it's a it's a great way to talk about these social issues um, yeah. So, yeah yeah I think I mean uh, aside from just you know talking about food I mean I think one thing that you you mentioned you know having a conversation over a meal is completely different to having a conversation. So, right, so l let's say you're having a conversation with, uh, I don't know, a Trump supporter, for example, having that same conversation over a meal, you know, I, I feel like you have two different conversations and, and you know, yeah. the idea of breaking bread together is so, is something so uh, entrenched, uh, uh, not just in Islam, but in our society, but even in Islam, like uh, it, it's, um, I remember reading a, a hadith that uh, Prophet uh, Ibrahim would, walk for like an hour or two to find someone who he can uh, have a meal with because he was he he, he 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 because of how much he hated uh, eating alone i think the reason for that is because uh ha having conversations over food really builds uh connections and and and, and uh, like you said it, because it's such a personal thing it's almost a personal space right so when you sit down to to have a meal with someone it's almost like you're, you're sitting down in peace um right. which i think is is, is really beautiful um i read uh, in one of your articles you mentioned uh, you spoke briefly about um 
how you once felt shame over bringing South Asian food uh, to school uh, in your lunchbox. And I, I found that so interesting because, um, you know, in, in kind of researching uh, uh, this topic, and again, I keep referring to the last podcast we did, um, just for a bit of context, like I, I'm not a guy who thinks about food. I'm not a foodie. Hasnain is definitely a foodie. Ali, probably more so than me as well. I'm just the kind of, hey, give me whatever you want and I'll eat it. I'm not really that interested, right? Um, but like thinking more about food and identity and how food represents us. So I mentioned before that, um, you know, I'm very detached from my Pakistani identity because my parents were born uh, and raised here um, and spoke English at home. And, and, you know, I didn't grow up speaking Urdu or Punjabi. But the one thing that was Pakistani about us was the food we ate. So, you know, my mom would always cook uh, uh, Pakistani food and, 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 and dishes. And I, I kind of realized this, that if it wasn't for that Pakistani food that we had at home, there'd probably be nothing Pakistani about me. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be connected to my heritage uh, or identity in, 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 in any way. Ali's laughing because he makes fun of uh, uh, my, 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 <laughs> my, my distance from my identity and my heritage. But it, it, it's true, you know, I, th- I feel like it, there is that deep connection between, uh, it's almost a reflection of your identity. So just like, um, you know, going into school um, uh, and reminiscing over that, um, how would you say that the food we eat uh, makes us stand out? Uh, I think it makes us stand out a lot because I think even if you talk to people who are, um, you know, just American and they, they talk about like what their mom used to make or like the specific kind of recipe she would make to make mashed potatoes or meatloaf or, you know, some like a recipe that's so well known, but it's, it varies between like the family and how the family makes it and stuff. So it's very close to your identity and your upbringing and your, you know, your childhood. And it's associated with those memories. And, you know, people fight over like, what's the best way to make pizza based on a city even. And so like, it's very, it's very much a part of your identity. And um, in terms of what you were talking about, what I wrote for that article. um, So basically within that article, I was talking about how I was ashamed when I was like, going to school because in the south it's like very they they're very open about how much they don't like you know other cultures and stuff like that and um it was definitely like i i would enjoy my mom's food and i would enjoy my culture but i definitely had an identity crisis that i struggled with for a very long time and it wasn't really until college that i was like no i i enjoy being you know, um Pakistani, Muslim and American. Like this is my identity. Um, and I brought that into my work as well. And so, um, yeah, I think it, like I've had to work on my identity just based on like the area that I was in. And um, I was actually born in Pakistan and I okay. came over here when I was one. So I have like no re- recollection of Pakistan. And I just know the culture based on what my parents um, have had in the fa- uh, within our household and then through the food and like I think the food was my major connection like for you um and I think the food is what really connected our me to my culture but then it was like a slow process of me like trying to figure out like what does that identity mean to me and you know do I want to be like do I want to accept my my Pakistani identity and so and it's still a struggle for me sometimes but like food has definitely been like such a key player in determining that identity because it's just it's it's so it varies for everyone everyone's right. experience with food is very different people like this food if they don't like this food and so i think it's a, a very it's a clear reflection i think of your identity what what you think about it right hasnain i'll throw this deep uh, philosophical question at you because i know you love these deep philo- philosophical questions um if we stopped <laughs> if we stopped eating pakistani food would we still be pakistani uh yeah of course <laughs> Look at our fashion. We have amazing fashion. <laughs> I think but Pakistani I think, I, I think, I, I think what I'm asking more so is, uh, does the food we eat define our identity? Uh, yeah. Actually, then that's a contradiction then I just said. <laughs> you just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, our food is, you know, it's, it's part of our, our identity because, I mean, at least here in New York, like, there's going to be some Pakistani restaurants, some Indian restaurants, but they're both lumped into Indian right. restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, a lot of my friends were like, oh, yeah, we're going to that Indian restaurant. Um, um, and then my friends were always jokingly say, like, oh, you probably have this at home all the time. And I said, yeah, I actually do have it at home all the time. You're actually right. <laughs> so, you know, it's I'm proud of it. Um, growing up, uh, it was a little different because when I was at home and my parents would cook, I would smell 
like the food and I would leave the house smelling like the food. And then go, go, going to college, I would take food to college because I was a broke college kid. And then all my friends, every single one of them, they go, can I get a bite? Can I get a bite? Can I get a bite? <laughs> uh, to the point where it's just like, it made me appreciate like, hey, like our food has specific spices. It's made a specific way. It's made with passion. It has um, like Pakistani heritage in it. Um, people like my mom, the way she makes sag might be different than the way your mom makes sag because, you know, you love sag. <laughs> so, you know, so like, yeah, it is part of our identity. But then again, I mean, we have so much more that if you take food away, we have so much more to be passionate. Right. We have other things to be passionate about as well. Right. That, okay. that clarifies my <laughs> over here. Ali, same question to you. I don't think it uh, changes who you are in a way, because just because you don't do one portion of a culture doesn't mean that you're not from that culture. Right. Do you listen to, uh, for example, Urdu poetry? Or do you watch Pakistani movies? Or yes. do you watch Pakistani dramas? By yes. not doing that, does that make you not? But the thing that? is, but the thing is, I think food food is so much more. Uh, you know, uh, here I mentioned it's personal, but it, it, it's also because you're not just consuming it; you're also creating it, right? You're talking about Pakistani. I'm uh, consuming it, so <laughs> no, you're consuming. I mean, I mean, generally, for example, in a Pakistani household if the Pakistani household were to stop producing Pakistani food, because you can watch Pakistani TV and, and listen to Pakistani music or, or poetry or whatever, but to produce it is, is a whole different ballgame. You yeah, see what I'm saying? If you put it that way, yeah, if you put it that way where, you know, families producing it at home and they're eating it at home, yes, I, I think that would have some sort of a, an effect on you or on your family and, and on your upbringing or on the way you smell when you walk out of the house. But... <laughs> <laughs> Here, uh, as a general question, for for example, someone like me, I, I don't cook and I eat out like literally every meal. Um, so for me, it doesn't make a difference. In that <laughs> sense. Fair enough. Here, I feel like you got a more profound answer to this question. We just we, we, just, we just been we just been waffling on. Um, what's your perspective? Yeah, I think. Well, I think I don't think it like necessarily defines your whole identity. It's like part a part of it, um, and I think that. You know, when you were talking about the, the thought that came into my mind when you were talking about how, you know, you're, if the Pakistani family, they didn't make the food. Like, I feel like, so my mom, she makes like American food too. Right. But then she'll put in, because like being a Pakistani mom, she'll like put in like desi spices. But she also does recipes, she'll like follow recipes to the tea. Like she will, like, especially when it comes to American food, um, they see recipes, she just like knows it. <laughs> so she'll just make it. But with American recipes, she really does want to like follow what it is. And so she'll like keep it completely American or she'll try a, a Mediterranean dish and she'll, you know, do that. So I think, it doesn't necessarily like it can define. I think the, the 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 sentence I would use is that it can define your identity. Um, and I, I just think that like everyone has a very different experience with food, and it's all valid. Like your experience with food is going to be different from the other person, and right. um, it, it adds to your identity. And so if if uh, you know Ali has a very different experience with you know Pakistani food than I do, it's still going to contribute to his identity in some way because it. It, it makes him who he is in terms of food, um, but not as a whole also. So Right, yeah. right. Uh, I know you mentioned in your own article about um, uh, food media, and, and you spoke about how uh, it, it suffers from racial inequality, and, and you couldn't find, I guess, representation of, of, of yourself or Muslims in, in food media, so you took to TikTok and, and, and kind of like social media instead. Um, so for, for someone who just like, Who's, who's coming from the outside and has no uh, idea uh, of the issue? How would you say that food media uh, suffers from racial inequality? And 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 what's the story there? So um, I think with food media, like any industry, it suffers with racial, a lot of racial inequalities in terms of not having the correct representation. Um, specifically with food media, though, is that you have a lot of ethnic foods that are pushed to appease white audiences rather than just right. showing, um, you know, this is um, a Pakistani dish, this is a Bangladeshi dish. Like it's not, it's it's um, gentrified almost uh, right. a lot of times to fit that white audience. And um, I'm, and so I feel like, um, and, and the reason why I wrote that article was uh, essentially to describe like there's there are other um, 
there are other outlets out there, like there are social media amateur chefs who are kind of creating a space for themselves to, to explore, you know, food and their identity. And I found that representation a lot better than with food media, although food media is making its um, changes and trying to, uh, trying to get better, but just like media in general, it has a very big issue of just not even hiring the correct people to be um, in those places to say, hey, like, that's not like the way we should, you know, go about talking about this dish or, um, or in terms of just journalism and the media in general is like, going about a story in a certain way or talking about a group right. of people in a certain way. Um, they're not hiring them or paying them fairly um, to be a part of that industry. And so I think that's a big part of the reason why food media is the way it is. Um, and so I kind of talked about that within the article as well. Um, but I, I just find it like really cool because at, during quarantine, I was just like on social media and um, I just found so many like they see um, uh, cooks and chefs and bakers. And it was like amazing what they were doing with their accounts and just they were small accounts and there were some that were kind of bigger um some that were now some that are now doing catering businesses and stuff like that but it was really fascinating to see that and how they used you know that medium to create because they uh, when talking to some of the, the those uh, social media accounts um they spoke about how they watch food media and how they learn from food media but they still don't feel like they're represented right. and so they've kind of taken it upon themselves to um, create those recipes and do fusion recipes to kind of talk about, um, you know, their dual identity of being American and, um, you know, Pakistani or, or Bengali. Um, and so I thought that was really fascinating. And so I wanted to kind of write, like, this is another option out there to what food media is lacking and trying to work on, but lacking still. So. I, th I think what's so interesting in this day and age is that, you know, when people feel they're underrepresented underrepresented um, in these, you know, uh, large media corporations, t be it TV, film industry or, or wherever, um, they have this incredibly powerful tool, a uh, tool called social media, which they can dive into and use yeah. uh, as their own representation. And it's really obviously for all the faults of social media, um, it, it's really it, it really uh, or it really empowers or gives the opportunity to empower uh, people who feel like they're not uh, represented. So how would you say that uh, social media has changed food media? Because I know, I mean, I'm not, again, like I'm not an expert uh, uh, in food media, but I know that, you know, you mentioned, for example, TikTok and, and I've noticed, you know, that it's kind of blown up uh, uh, ever since uh, it started and, and the way people have been using it for food uh, is very fascinating. So how would you say it's changed the whole uh, industry? Um, I think it's like, again, it created that space for people who are interested in food or, uh, or just want to share um, a, a better perspective of a certain kind of food group um, or what their family and their experience with food is. It's a great space for that. And I do want to mention actually is that I don't think food media or sorry, social media is the replacement or the substitute right. for food media because food media and those institutions are um are established institutions they they have a lot more power um and so there need to be changes within those bigger institutions in order for it to for for that whole industry to change um because that's where a lot of people even the social media people are referring to the bigger institutions that right. exist um but i think so social media is that space for people who are so interested in changing things slowly a lot of social media um, people that I talked to, I talked to, um, his name is Ahmed and he goes by the golden balance on TikTok. Um, and he's gotten very popular and he's a Muslim, um, uh, living in Detroit and he's creating food and, um, using TikTok and his platform to change, you know, uh, that space. And so, and he's gotten really big and he, he's always wanted to go into the food industry, but, and this was his kind of his way into getting there. Um, so it's a good little um like little gateway for for social media people to get into the food industry because you do grow a following with social media so you're able to get um you know more views and get people um fall get a following essentially um and so uh which could potentially lead you getting into the industry but i still think that it's it's just kind of a space to like a a, a separate space aside right. from the, the traditional institutions right how would you say, I mean, 
I mean, I, I, I know you, 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 you're diving into the world of uh, food journalism. How would you say you're looking to change uh, the industry from your end? Yeah, um, so my goal has always been, ever since I've started journalism, um, is to add a perspectives that weren't there and change. Uh, just because I am a Muslim too, and I, I've seen how media represents Muslims in general. Um, I think that was a big reason why I went into it. And um, it has always been my goal to just add that perspective and say, um, be that person in the newsroom who's like, no, you know what, like, right. this is the perspective that's actually accurate. Um, someone who knows the community um, or someone who understands to ask the questions to communities, the questions that haven't been answered because white reporters are not going to know that this is what communities of color go through. Mm. Um, and so um, I, in any opportunity that I've gotten, I always advertise myself as this is what you're getting. You're getting a Muslim Pakistani woman to join your team. And that is a specific perspective that I'm going to bring. Um, and then I'm also going to try to change things up in your newsroom. I'm going to pitch stories that have a lot to do about the Muslim community because that's my community. Um, and then a lot of um, communities of color who are very mis very underrepresented and misrepresented within the media. Um, and that goes into the food coverage as well. Um, and so anytime I pitch a story, it's, uh, it's also with pitching stories, um, I try to also it, make sure that within my stories, the sources I'm going to are diverse because right. each community is very diverse. The Muslim community is not one, one kind of Muslim. Right. It's a lot of different kinds of Muslims. And so it's always important to me to get diverse, um, sources within my own story and then also pitch diverse stories. Um, and so that's always been my goal and that's going to continue in whatever beat I go into. Um, and I feel like food is definitely somewhere that's an easy way to t get those diverse stories and an easy thing to pitch as well, I think, um, because um, I do think newsrooms want, because like, people are going to read stories about eth ethnic restaurants and, right. you know, they're going to want to know about the Indian place um, that just opened up, but there's right. a different perspective that I can put that's like, yes, it's an Indian restaurant, but did you know, like a little bit more into it and the people rather than just focusing on, you know, they're just an Indian, another Indian restaurant. So what would you I mean, was it difficult for you getting into that industry? Is it difficult for you to I know you said you're starting a new job tomorrow. I don't want to get too personal, but um, <laughs> it, it was has it been difficult for you to get a job uh, as a Muslim Pakistani? Because I know, I know you, 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 you talk about how open you are um, yeah. when it comes to changing the newsroom. Like, I wonder if that kind of scares people off um, mm -hmm. or, or is more or, 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 or they see it as more of an opportunity for them. I think they see it as an opportunity for them. So um, alhamdulillah, I've had not a hard time. Nice. Um, I have had like instances and encounters that have been kind of difficult, but it's not so in in the in terms of getting a job or finding my place within um, uh, the journalism industry. Um, I think it's because I and I, I'm 100% myself when I you know um, interview with someone or am talking with. Um, other journalists and the newsroom and I just I really do just brand myself as a Muslim journalist and this mm -hmm. is what you're gonna and you're gonna get this and you need this mm -hmm. and I and I I try to sell myself in the fact that you know you guys are looking for a diversity you, you say you want to change this is your opportunity to change mm -hmm. um and so and I, I mean that's also kind of come with um uh later on as I like continue within the industry I'm sure I'm gonna hit rope roadblocks but at the moment I haven't hit as many roadblocks and I am early in my career so um, I feel like there are more seasoned uh, you know Muslim journalists that have probably had a harder time and um, you know because and I and I do think they're the ones who paved the way for Muslim uh, Muslim journalists like me who are just starting out um, to go for further within the within that career so I want to move on to uh, your podcast, I think, because it has a very interesting um, uh, kind of like, yeah. I guess, vision statement uh, where you talk about how uh, this podcast is about what it means to be a Muslim American uh, through the universal search for good food. Uh, but before I ask you this, I want to bring in Hasnain uh, before he uh, checks out completely. <laughs> Where Hasnain, uh, sorry, so just just a bit of context. Hasnain is actually quite ill right now. Uh, he's got a, you got a fever, right? Hasnain, I have a fever. Yes. Yeah, it, it's not coronavirus. He tested negative, uh, but yes. he, you're, 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 Alhamdulillah. 
<laughs> you said you like 110 degrees or what was it? It was 124. Okay, are you feeling better since you had that 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 tea? Uh, or yeah, I actually do feel better. Okay, cool. Oh, I want to applaud you for <laughs> doing this interview. Doing no, this no, podcast. Okay. I, I wanted I wanted to be here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean, why I want to ask you, Hasnim, because you're a big foodie. You know, you love going out, you love exploring, you love eating. You eat at Nusrat. We know before you before you before you <laughs> go about it. Um, but you generally love. I'm guessing exploring restaurants and 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 exploring different spots in, in NYC. Um, how do you like? I guess. Um, Tying in with the, the, the theme of Heroes uh, uh, podcast, and she'll tell us more about it and tell me if I'm wrong when I, when I, when I talk about what it's about. Um, but how do you kind of um, explore your own Muslim American identity when it comes to uh, going to different spots? Very heavy question. Damn, what, what the heavy question all the damn time? <laughs> I feel like the heaviest oh, okay. questions give the best answers. <laughs> so how do I, what was the question? I don't even know. Explore your, <laughs> explore your Muslim American identity going to these different spots. Well, I mean, like, for example, where Ali's old uh, apartment used to be, there was a Pakistani store right across the street. Um, and when I entered there for the first time, it felt really <clears throat> homey because it had like that. Yeah, aura. I know what you mean. Yeah. It had like that <laughs> dirty table. <laughs> <laughs> it had like that greasy, <laughs> yummy food, like a guy behind me and him locked eyes. And he knew off the bat. Like, he knew off the bat. And it's like, it's like very welcoming. So like. You know, it's like for me, like when I go to a specific restaurant of a specific like Thai or, or whatever it is, I go in with, with a, a sense of respect of, of that culture and of that food. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, for example, like, you know, going to like a Japanese restaurant is an etiquette to it. Going right. to a French restaurant is an etiquette to it. Um, and I'm slowly learning that over time. You know, my time when I went to France. Um, I was Googling all this stuff and like there was, it was telling me like there's a specific etiquette going into a French restaurant with the Pakistani restaurant. I don't know if there's any etiquette. I just walk in, I order whatever I want. It's amazing. So I think I think exploring my identity when going to like a restaurant is just feeling home, knowing that this I've had this before. This is probably better because it's, it's made with more ingredients that we would have at home, right? Or it's made in, in bulk, or it's made with a different style because they're from a different part of Pakistan that might make it differently, right? So that's kind of uh, how I explore it. I think that's so interesting because it reminds me of, I don't know if you remember, um, when I was staying in New York that week, uh, uh, I was going to Steinway to this, uh, and, and I said, hey guys, have you, been, have you checked out this place? And it was a very uh, grimy, gringy uh, fast food chicken shop. <laughs> I forgot what it was called, but I was like, this place is amazing. I can't believe Tubby. it. I love it. So what was it called, sorry? Tubby's. It's right yes. there on the corner. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. I loved it. And I was like, because yeah. for me, it reminds me of these grimy chicken shops back home, you know, <laughs> when you want to go into like a dirty corner shop and get, get yourself a, a, a spend three pounds on a fried chicken and uh, and fries. And I think that that's what's so interesting. It's like, you know, I hope I'm not exaggerating here, but when you step into, you know, yeah. a Pakistani store or a Japanese store uh, or a Turkish store, or a restaurant, sorry, it's like you're stepping into their country. It's like you're stepping yeah, into yeah. the, the Turkish embassy, not even the Turkish restaurant, right? Where everything inside there uh, is Turkish. Um, so Hira, I did want to ask you about this podcast because I, I just felt like it was so, so interesting. And frankly, you know, w when I came across it, I knew we had to get you on. Um, but what's the story behind the, this podcast and, and, and what kind of conversations did you have? Yeah, so and this podcast actually started as a class assignment for a podcasting class that I took in, uh, in college, um, and this was junior year, and um, this was right after the food writing class that I took, um, and I was kind of discussing ideas for it because I knew I was going to take the class next semester um, with my professor, and we were just talking about how um, he wanted to order um, barbecue for the last day of class for um, for the last day of class, and I was like, well you like you can't order barbecue i eat halal like i won't be able to eat it and he was like well are there any places and i was like yeah like there's only one you can like in memphis there's literally only one wow. halal barbecue place and memphis is the barbecue place <laughs> um and specifically um and so he was like okay i'll order it from there so he ended up ordering there and that's where I kind of got the idea of doing a podcast about what it means to be Muslim, um, specifically in the South, um, just because that's my experience, um, and how food plays into that and how my identity um, also plays into that. So when I go out to eat, like finding a halal restaurant, um, when I travel even, is like so exciting because of living in Memphis <laughs> where there's very few halal, like good halal restaurants um, that aren't just um, you know, Mediterranean or Desi restaurants. 
Um, and so that was kind of the basis of that idea for that podcast. Um, and so within the class, we kind of had to, um, our goal in the class was to create a plan for the podcast, a pitch for it, and a pilot episode. Right. Um, and so doing that, when we were partnered up with a classmate, and so my friend partnered up with me, um, and she is Palestinian Muslim. She's a vegetarian, actually. So it kind of, it's Works not a lot of eating, but like, <laughs> She like understands that eating meat <laughs> to some extent. Um, and so she kind of brought her own perspective to the podcast as well. Um, and so uh, like the semester ended, the class ended, and we were just like, you know what? This would be really cool to just continue because um, we haven't explored more of like what Memphis has to offer in terms of halal food. Um, and so, uh, and also with the podcast, it wasn't just about going towards halal restaurants. It was also interviewing people within the Muslim community who were doing like really big things. So uh, the first um, person we had on was a nonprofit director and he created essentially a youth group um, nonprofit for Muslims in Memphis, uh, young Muslims in Memphis. Um, and so we had him on as a guest and then we would go to the restaurant and eat together and we would talk to the restaurant owner as well. Um, and so it was just kind of this whole um, exploration into what Muslim American culture um, is and how food plays a part into that in terms of halal eating. Um, and also exploring, it, it was also to explore, you know, like not everyone eats halal, uh, not right. every Muslim eats halal, and to kind of explain the, you know, the, the rulings behind that, but then also like what that experience for people who don't eat halal is also, or, and the experience um, that um, exists for people who do eat halal, like myself. Right. Um, and so we just continued it and we did like five episodes. Um, we also continued it just because we are journalism students and this is like a great way to explore and build on our skill set. And I'm very much into audio. So um, this was just like a really great summer of um, ex like learning myself. Um, and so, um, and I did go end up, uh, I ended up going to an internship in between um, us producing and I was able to talk to people in Rochester because that's where I was, Rochester, New York, and get their experience as well. So it was like kind of an addition to the Memphis um, scene that we were doing. Um, one of my favorite episodes though is one we did on Ramadan. So the reason why Ramadan was kind of like not as great this year is because when we did um, last Ramadan, um, it was really great because we got to do the episode and we we got to go to different iftars and kind of really nice. show the picture of what Ramadan means to Muslims and how food plays such a big role in Ramadan. Um, even though we're fasting for so long and food is not something we're thinking, well, we're thinking about it. But um, <laughs> people, non-Muslims don't think we think about food during Ramadan, but we, re we like really do. Um, and it's such a big part of Ramadan. So we, we were able to capture that and that was just like a fun thing to do as well. So um, it was an awesome experience to do a podcast like that and just like really great to learn, um, you know, about podcasting in general, because that's something I'm looking to go into. Um, right. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, so let me let me ask you this really quickly yeah. because you're born and raised in Memphis, correct? Uh, and... No, he was born in Boston. Oh, yes, sorry. But Excuse my fever, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you said that in Memphis there was one halal restaurant. So I'm assuming when you would travel, you get really excited because you have more options open up. Yeah. Is it safe to say yeah. that New York has the best halal food? I actually, so I've, I've only been to New York once, and that was three <clears> days <throat> that I went there. Oh. Um, but Rochester, New York is like upstate New yep. York and they had, um, they had good halal food. Um, their main dish is the garbage plate. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but oh, um, sounds appetizing. <laughs> it was all right. It wasn't like the most appetizing thing I've had, but it is this combination of, um, they do beef patties and they put, um, it was, it's just like common. I'm trying to remember all the ingredients, but they put like potatoes on there and they put um, like a ground beef, um, like a ground beef sauce on top of that. And then like they have diced onions and then they put ketchup and mustard on that. It's literally like, like meat and potatoes and like starch meat, everything wow. in a plate. And it's like in a styrofoam little box and you just like have to eat the whole, the whole thing. Oh my God. And um, so that's a, another story that I actually had done up there 
um, for my internship and then for the podcast as well is um, there are only two places in Rochester that have a halal garbage plate. Um, and that is like the city's staple food, just like barbecue <laughs> for Memphis. Yeah. I know it's a weird staple food for them to have, but um, that's what they have. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I just did an episode on that and it, it was really cool to see the reaction of the community because, uh, and just talking to them about it, having the staple dish be halal is so important to the Muslim community. That representation was a really big deal. And so it was a very clear example, like, you know, food is so important to the Muslim community and having that representation like was great. And so, right. um, so yeah, I, I think, I mean, the food was good, but I think that specific dish was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think, I think we see that. Um, I mean, I mean, it's, it's so, I mean, it's everywhere now, but even like in burgers, right? Having halal burgers, burgers essentially being an American uh, dish and, and, and having it so accessible now um, and, and being able to go anywhere and have a halal burger, I guess shows we're taking over, I want to say. Uh, Sharia coming to the country, maybe, I don't know. Um, but um, but I, I, I will also add um, that the best halal food in America, being someone who's traveled, is definitely in Dearborn, Michigan, without a doubt. Um, just uh, just not not to not to upset you, Hasnain, but uh, I'd say New York is maybe second or third uh, after, after, right. after Dearborn. I mean, there's nothing else in Dearborn, but there's good food. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give them that. Um, just kind of like winding down uh, before we conclude. Um, Here, I know you talk a lot about uh, halal uh, in your articles. Um, and I asked this question to the guys uh, in, the, in, in the episode we did with Farhan. Um, so I want to get your thoughts on it. What does halal mean to you and i don't just mean like the obvious uh, connotations behind that word which is how you know an animal is killed and, and what we eat but also like uh, you know as a as a culture as an identity um as muslim representation what, what does halal mean to you um so i think it's a connection to just what i've learned from my family and so i eating halal and was definitely something that my mom like was big on. And so she just kept it, um, uh, as something that we, we should do. And I just, I just kept to it because that's what I knew. Um, and I have, so, although like sometimes I, I do want to break for a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think halal is just, I think that connection to, um, Islam too, um, not only my family, but, um, is definitely a connection to Islam that I, I'm, you know, in a way following, kind of the some of the rulings that are there and um yeah i feel like it's a connection to my song i i i haven't actually thought about that that much <laughs> like what it means to me so i'm trying to think of a good <laughs> no i think i mean i think that's definitely a beautiful answer i mean i certainly haven't thought of it that way uh myself you know i think even if um you know you're Uh, in the most distant part of the world um, and no one around you is Muslim, you'll always be looking for something halal to eat, right? So yeah. that is your connection uh, with your faith. Uh, before we end, Ali, uh, you've been very quiet this episode, so I want you to give us like a, a line of wisdom. Uh, I know you're very hungry right now. You mentioned on the, on the WhatsApp group. Um, but just like a line of wisdom uh, before we go, because every episode you drop these one-liners, so I need like a line of wisdom. Uh, to oh, yeah. not, not when you put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Then I have to think through a lot of different ones. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I don't know. All, based on what? <laughs> what do you want? What do your, you want to know? Your 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 perspective on halal on halal food. I think uh, it, it's very important because, as we spoke about before, and and people say you are what you eat. So if you eat clean uh, and you eat what's permitted, uh, that essentially what it'll do is it'll help you be more spiritual, in my opinion. Because yeah. if we end up doing things that block off our spirituality um then we can't raise rise ourselves to the highest level as far as uh, getting closeness to god and that's why it's very important for me personally to make sure that whatever i eat is clean and halal and it's done the right way uh, as god is asked has wow. one wow. line but you just took you just took me from here to the heavens i don't know how you did it <laughs> it's beautiful um but yeah i mean i think just kind of like closing off i mean uh, that that is an interesting way to look at it and i think sometimes we can get caught up on you know the when it comes to halal you know oh it's uh Uh, it, it, it's um, the way it affects your your, your body and, and your spirituality and, and your insides. But I think even on the most simplistic level, it's a bit of discipline, right? It's just that discipline that we have that we can't just grab meat from the lo local shop. You have to go 20 minutes down the road uh, and, and, and get the halal version instead. So I think that's what's... Uh... Like, I think that, you know, for me, halal, I have a better answer now. Um, <laughs> but, 
you know, eating halal for me is like my visible way of representing that I'm Muslim and I'm following that discipline. Um, and especially as someone who's working as a food journalist, like right. that is a visible representation that, you know, I'm Muslim and this is what I do and this is our culture and this is how it works. Not everyone does it, but I do it. And this is my perspective that I'm giving you. Um, I'm doing that. So. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I uh, just want to take this moment here to appreciate you. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you or follow your journey, uh, where can they find you on social media? Uh, Instagram and Twitter. Nice. And your Twitter handles? Uh, um, just uh, handle, it's kind of weird. I never changed it when I <laughs> created it, when I was never using it. And then I feel like people have tagged me for articles and stuff, so I'm scared to change it. But it's at Hirakureshi7. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) There's a hidden meaning there somewhere. (laughs) um, And then my Instagram is at uh, it's Hirakureshi. Nice. And and, uh, where can people find your podcast? Um, So at eating the pod on Instagram and Twitter as well. Wonderful. Hira, thank you so much. Inshallah, we'll see you again soon. Take care. Take care. Salam alaikum. And that was a really wonderful discussion with Hira Qarashi on food, eating halal and Muslim American culture. At the time of recording this, she's about to start her job at uh, USA Today as as, uh, a regional food reporter. So we wish her the best of luck. Of course, by the time this episode airs, she will have been uh, well over uh, three weeks in uh, and undoubtedly killing it. So Hira, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We really appreciate you. Please do not forget once again to subscribe to us on all platforms. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it. Share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook. Share it with your friends and your family. Uh, Share it with whoever may benefit. And do not forget to subscribe to us because we have episodes coming out regularly every Sunday. And we have some really fascinating guests coming up as usual. Uh, So please don't forget to uh, turn those notifications on and make sure you're aware when we drop an episode. Thank you for joining us here at 786 Boulevard.